The following message was recorded live at Three Strands Church. We hope it will bless you, encourage you, and challenge you in your journey of faith. We'd love to pray for you or answer any questions you have. You can message us at threestrands.church slash contact. If this is your first week here of this series, we're in actually the third part today. And it's really like one four-week-long sermon. So I want to encourage you to go back, listen to the first two weeks on our podcast if you can, because I don't want you to miss those first two parts. If you're just coming today, you might kind of think we're a little mean or we're talking about stuff that's like, I don't know, a little too like in your business. But um, I promise we didn't really do that the first week or two. So if you'll go back and listen to the whole thing, and it'd be like, you'll get both sides of it. And we need all that when we're talking about hashtag no filter, and we're talking about becoming the real us, and we're talking about um, seeing the same thing God sees. When we look in the mirror, to see the same thing he sees when he looks at us. And so um, I want you to get all of it. And so in the first week, we kind of really dove into like how much God loves us. And, and you need to know if you're going to become the real you, if you're going to become the you God wants you to be, then you've really got to know what he thinks of you. You've really got to know how much he loves you. And, uh, and then last week we dealt with like facing your insecurities. And you'll never really become the real you if you don't learn how to deal with insecurities that all of us have, right? And so uh, today we're going to dive into a brand new piece of the puzzle. And I hope you'll um, get some truth out of it. And I hope at the same time you'll be able to feel some grace from God's heart um, today, too, to yours. But we've been asking this question each week of the series. I'm going to ask it um, next week also, and today, of course. But here's the question. You ready? What do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? What do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? And that's really what we're trying to do, because I've shared with you each week so far that becoming the real you, becoming the you God has designed you to be, is really just a, a change in your mindset, a change in your perspective, starting to see yourself like he sees you, right? And we've said every week so far, your full potential is just one shift in perspective away. If you could really see what God sees when he looks at you, whenever you look in the mirror, your whole world would change. You'd stop beating yourself up as much. Um, you'd stop running to, to other things besides God to satisfy you. You'd stop feeling as insecure about yourself. You'd realize that you are loved and chosen and special and unique, and God made you just the way he made you to do something amazing on this planet. And so I want you to get that. And so we're kind of tackling this big topic over four weeks, and today we're diving into a new part. And the part we're diving into today is how do you deal with temptation, all right? And so uh, I, there's a lot of definitions for temptation. You know, I think the root definition of temptation would be something like, you know, um, uh, an urge or a desire to disobey God or to sin, right? But maybe this definition will help you a little bit more today. If it's someone or something trying to convince you to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, or maybe you might say it, someone or something trying to convince you to meet a healthy need in an unhealthy way, right? Maybe that's a little more helpful for you to be able to think through what it means or what it is. But um, all of us have these kind of same basic needs or desires. The trick is meeting those needs or desires in healthy, legitimate, non-sinful, righteous ways, right? And so uh, it's not wrong to want to be with somebody. It's not wrong to want to be financially secure. It's not wrong to want to feel physically safe. It's not wrong to um, want to feel well-rested or to eat. But all of those things can get distorted, and we can make choices that meet those needs 
in illegitimate ways. And that's what we're trying to deal with today. If you're going to become the real you, if you're going to become the you God wants you to be, then when you face temptation, when you feel inside someone or something, maybe even yourself, trying to convince you to meet a legitimate need in an opposite way that God says to meet it or in an illegitimate way, then you got to know what to do with that. And, and it can be hard to know what to do with that. You, you, you kind of, uh, we live in this world now where like everybody says, just go with your gut and you just got to do what's right for you or, or you kind of follow the crowd and do what the majority is saying to do or, or maybe you're like, a, I always just go with the minority because I can't stand the majority, but the minority is often wrong too and so you can get yourself into kind of a lot of trouble. Anybody ever see the movie The Emperor's New Groove? Come on, you can admit it. It's like if you're an adult, it doesn't make you a baby if you watch cartoon movies. Emperor's New Groove. All right, so three of us. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Goodness. Don't anybody watch kid movies? I mean, come on. All my knowledge of like movies is like kid movies now. And I know you're thinking like that came out before you had kids. I'm like, I know, but we watched kid movies back then too. So Emperor's New Groove. If you ever watched that movie, there's this scene where um, kind of the big kind of not too bright guy in the movie, his name's Kronk. And uh, he's like this enforcer kind of guy, okay? And um, he uh, comes on the scene, and he has this moral dilemma. He's trying to decide what to do, and he can't figure out what to do. He's feeling some temptation to do the wrong thing, and he's not quite sure um, how to handle it. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, on both of his shoulders pops up two little characters. You guys, anybody who's seen the movie kind of remembers this, right? It's a shoulder angel and a shoulder demon. I brought a picture of it, I think, for you if I got that in there, right? If you remember, okay. So, and you guys have seen this maybe on other like cartoons or um, comic strips, or it's just kind of this thought over the years, right? That we all kind of have this shoulder angel and this shoulder demon talking to us. And, uh, and they both kind of like whisper into your ear what to do. And you have to decide which one you're going to believe and, and which one's advice you're going to take, right? And, and the problem is they both whisper into your ear what to do. But if we're being honest, doesn't it feel like only the shoulder angel, angel whispers and, and, the shoulder angel, and the shoulder demon kind of screams? Doesn't it often feel like, like the healthy, righteous, legitimate choice is kind of like a whisper? And that even though the shoulder demon is also whispering, it kind of sounds like a shout in your head. And that's really the problem. So that's what we're going to talk about today, the idea of deafening whispers. That even though your shoulder demon, and, and, and the devil doesn't look like that. I don't know where that came from in our world, but he's not running around with like tights on, carrying like a trident. I don't know what that's all about. But anyhow, you get the idea, right? It's like there's a kind of the forces of good or the Lord or our own conscience is on the one side. And then on the other side is like all the forces of evil and the devil. And we have to make this choice every day to do what temptation is telling us to do or to obey God and follow his commands instead. It's a hard choice. So it feels like the choice that God doesn't want you to take, the choice that the shoulder demon is screaming, feels like it makes more sense because it's louder. It's really what it is, just because it's louder. It isn't really more logical, just louder. And the world's screaming at you the same stuff, and really our own kind of insides are screaming at us the same stuff because we have all these legitimate needs. We're desperate for them to get met. And it's like somebody's choking us out and, and at the top of our lungs, inside of our own head, it's like, just 
Meet that need however you got to meet it, legitimate or not. It's hard to overcome that. It's easy to kind of blame the devil for all of it, isn't it? Like the devil made me do it kind of thing. That's not really true. I can prove it to you from the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, don't get me wrong. The devil does also tempt us. That's in the Bible too. Tries to wreck our lives. There's no doubt about that. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you do not have to do what temptation is telling you to do. The, the war's already been won and Jesus has earned you victory over temptation. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you ready? Go back and listen to week one and two. That's, that's what we talked about in week one, right? It's like you need to know how much God loves you and how much he wants to have real relationship with you. How much he wants to rescue you, not just for eternity, but for everyday life right now. And if you're like, I'm not real secure about this, I get so insecure, go back and listen to week two. Because we talked about that, right? You got to like face your insecurities and trust the Lord and know that there's like a better way and you don't have to believe the lies that you're hearing. But now here we are and the devil does attack us too, but you do not have to do what temptation is telling you to do. So today I want to help you to defeat temptation and see the victorious life that Jesus has planned for you to have, that God wants you to have. When he looks at you, it's the life he sees. All right, so let me start out today by just giving you a couple true things about temptation, all temptation. You ready? Here, just, you can jot these down, take a picture of the screen, whatever works for you if you want to take notes. But uh, here's a couple true things about all temptation. Right? Here's the first one. There's always more at stake than you realize. There's always more at stake than you realize. And oftentimes the things that are at stake are your future, right? your family, maybe your faith. And you don't see all those things when you hear the whisper of temptation in your ear. You don't often see the future. And sometimes when you get older, you look back at like younger folks and you think like, can't they see what's going to happen to them if they do that? And I have this feeling that whether we're 40, 50, 80, 100, that God looks at all of us and is thinking that same thing. Can't they see what this choice will do to their future? There's a lot more on the line. It looks like it's an innocent thing. Nobody will even know, or I could get away with this and it'd just be me. It's just a one-time deal, but then somehow we get hooked and it wrecks our family. And nobody takes out a loan in order to go bankrupt. And nobody is kind to a coworker so they can have an affair. And nobody takes a new job so they can flip Jesus off. But yet sometimes we make those kind of choices and they have consequences to our life. And they wreck us financially or spiritually or emotionally. Stakes are pretty high. And we start to think to ourselves, this is the great lie actually, we start to think to ourselves, I'll be able to control it. I'll be able to contain the sin. I'll be able to manage my sin. But that's not true. It's impossible. Sin can't be managed. No matter how smart you are, how rich you are, how powerful you are, how experienced you are, you give sin a shot and the stakes are always a little higher than you thought they'd be. Here's truth number two about all temptation. You ready? It always challenges our confidence in God. The real whisper in our ear is this idea like God can't be trusted. He can't be trusted to be good. 
He can't be trusted to be beautiful. He can't be trusted to be loving. He can't be trusted to be true. That's the whisper, really. You're not really trusting in him, are you? Trying to shatter your confidence in God? Convince you there's a better way, an easier way, a more logical way, a faster way? I think it was Robbie Zacharias who first quoted this phrase. I'll give it to you today. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that is definitely the truth. The stakes are high. It's trying to chip away at your confidence in God. But there's a way to resist. There's a way to endure. There's a way to overcome. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because God told us. Let me show you. Ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. So there's a way out. There's a way to resist. There's a way to endure all the temptations. So what I want to do today, pretty much the rest of our time, is I just want to take you back and I want to show you a chance um, Jesus had to sin. I want to show you a time when he felt tempted. I want to show you, and hey, just feeling tempted doesn't mean God hates you. I think sometimes like when we feel tempted, we beat ourselves up and we think like I'm the devil and God must be disappointed in me and hate me. But Jesus was tempted. I'm going to show it to you in just a second. And I want to show you a time when he came face to face with temptation and didn't give in. He resisted. He endured. He chose God's way instead of listening to the shoulder demon. So let's do that. I'm going to start a little early. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Jesus is just getting baptized. Now, some people in our church just got baptized like a couple weeks ago. So maybe you'll like relate to this. And, and there's other people here that have been baptized earlier in their life. But Jesus is just getting baptized. Now, here's what it says, the end of Matthew chapter 3. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settling on him. And then a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Some translations say, in whom I am well pleased. Okay? Now, I just want you to stop there for a second because we're going to go into chapter 4. The very next line in the Bible is Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. But it's important to know this is what's going on. Jesus just gets baptized. Baptism is just his way of obeying God's next step. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Absolutely not. What was Jesus saying when he got baptized? He even told us when he got baptized, John tried to stop him from getting baptized. And Jesus was like, no, I need to get baptized to fulfill what God is telling me to do, to be obedient to God so he'll get glory and credit and attention and fame, right? So he's doing it just to obey. He, he didn't have any sins to wash away. He wasn't letting everybody know that he just came to faith and had sins to be washed away. He was doing it just to obey God. And so he gets baptized, and there you see the Holy Spirit kind of come down and rest on him. And at the same time, God the Father speaks these words of love to his son. He says, this is my dearly loved son whom I am well pleased with or who brings me great joy. And then chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. 
Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second because I think sometimes we get this like messed up thinking in our head that if I step out in faith and obey God, maybe even with enough courage to ask him to save me and tell Jesus I'll follow him for the rest of my life. And then we go even further and we record our story on video because 3SC is like, I need to record your story. You're like, I don't really want to, but we make you do it anyhow, right? And then we put it on the screen for everybody and they're like, awesome. And then you walk up front, you're still scared and you feel butterflies in your stomach, but you walk up front and you get baptized. You're like, I'm just obeying the Lord. And then somewhere in our head, we get this kind of messed up thinking of like, now it's all going to be awesome. It's all going to be perfect. I'm going to go home today. I'm going to tell my family what I did. And they're going to be like, you're the best. And then you go home and you tell your family, hey, I decided to follow Jesus today. I got baptized. And they're like, that's stupid. And you're like, what? I, I followed Jesus. It's supposed to be all good now. But it isn't like that. In fact, a lot of times the life story goes a little something like this. I stepped out in faith. I followed Jesus. I asked God to save me. I got baptized. I felt like God was telling me he loves me and he's pleased with me. And then I walked out into the wilderness. And the devil happened to be there waiting to tempt me. And it's just like this. And that's what happened with Jesus. And that's how it works. The devil's not sitting around being like, well, they, they took a step of faith. I don't know what I'll do now. He's not thinking that. He's right there on that shoulder being like, I got something for you to do. Oh, following Jesus, that'll never last. You didn't really mean it, did you? You're not really his kid now, are you? And you hear the whisper in your ear. Just what happened with Jesus. Now here's what happened. And he went out in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. He didn't eat. Went out in the wilderness for 40 days, didn't eat, just to pray. And during that time, the tempter came. There it is right there. It's like during that time. When's the tempter show up? When I'm strong, when I just finished my meal, when I just finished my Bible study. No, he shows up when I'm exhausted, when I'm lonely, when I'm weak, when I'm hungry. I almost never feel like being a glutton whenever I'm full, right? You ever walk through the grocery store starving? Seems like you buy three times as much stuff as you did when you were full. Like at the, you understand what I'm saying? When I'm satisfied and feeling strong and feeling full on the inside, temptation is not usually as strong. But when I'm hungry or I'm tired or I'm feeling lonely or I hurt, there's that shoulder demon whispering into my ear. And so then the tempter came to tempt Jesus, to try and get him to fail, trying to get him to meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. So it's important at this point just to stop for a second. And I want to just show you the things Jesus did to prepare to be tempted. This would be a good list for you. You're like, I'd like to start kicking sin's tail, start overcoming temptation. Here's what Jesus did. Three things. Ready? He obeyed God, right? He walked in obedience. He knew God's word. And he heard God's approval. I'm going to show you all three of them. We already kind of read two of them, right? He walked in obedience. What did he do? He got baptized. He wasn't like, God, I don't need to be baptized. Don't you know who I am? I'm your son. Everybody knows it already. What am I doing? Just obey, son. He's like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. Then God's like, you're my son. I love you. I approve of you. And he's like, ah, oh, I hear it. 
Now he goes out into the wilderness. I'm going to show you what the devil says to him. And his defense is going to be, hey, I know what God's word really says. You get it? This would be a great formula for you to start with if you want to resist temptation, if you want to overcome sin in your life. Walk in obedience, know God's word, hear God's approval. If you could just do those three things each day, just wake up tomorrow, be like, today, I just want to know God's word. I want to hear God approve of me, and I want to walk in obedience to him no matter what I feel like. Man, you'd go far. You'd overcome a lot of temptation. You'd resist and endure a lot of times. All right, so, uh, and that's kind of the idea. So Jesus is prepared. He goes into the wilderness. He's about to be tempted by the devil. Let me show you all of verse three now. You ready? Here's what verse three says. So here comes the tempter. During that time, the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, I love that. He's like trying to plant that little seed of doubt, right? Break that confidence he's got in God. Remember, it's true. A temptation is always trying to question your confidence in God. And here he goes, if you're really, if you're really the son of God, Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now think about it for a second. This was a real need. Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. That is right on the thresh line of you're about to die. Jesus was as hungry as you're going to get as a human. A day or two, a couple days more, he wasn't going to make it. This was the max a human can go without food. He's got to be hungry. And so it's a real need. It's not a fake need. It's not illegitimate need. But he says, why don't you just go ahead and turn these stones? I know you committed to come out here and fast, not eat and pray instead. But hey, hasn't it been long enough? I mean, maybe you're committed for a little longer, but go ahead and just break that and just turn these stones into bread and eat some. You need it. It's real. You kind of deserve it. I mean, look how good you've been. If you're really the son of God, go for it. And it's whisper in your ear is the whisper that says, provide for yourself. Provide for yourself. This is whisper number one. You ready? I'm going to give you all the temptations we hear. There's only three of them. The devil's, he, he, we, he, we think he's like super clever, but the truth is he really only attacks us like a few ways. This is one of them. Whispers in your ear, provide for yourself. It might sound a lot to you like, go ahead, you need this, you deserve this, you were made for this. You're just being true to yourself. How could it be wrong if it satisfies a real need? Don't trust what God says. You start to think to yourself, this isn't such a big deal. I got this. I got this on my own, Lord. I got this. Here's Jesus' response in verse 4. No. Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now listen, what Jesus is saying here is not like I'm never going to eat again because mm, God's words, they're delicious. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is I don't have to give in to what I feel in my gut right now. I am hungry, but I don't have to give in to that because I know God loves me and I know what his word says and I'm just going to keep walking in obedience. I'm waiting on him for my provision. I'm waiting on him to provide. I'm not going to break my word. I'm going to just stay the course. I can say no, even when I'm really in need. I can still obey. I can still remember what God's word says. I still know he loves me and approves of me. Do you get it? No, I'm not going to live on what I can provide for myself. I'm going to keep trusting God instead. And you think to yourself, but I need these things. Yes, that's the whole point. They're always legitimate needs. That's the logic we use to go into debt, to move in with a girlfriend, 
to have sex with our boyfriend, to work a job that keeps us out of church every Sunday, to overvalue our athletic career, to assault people on social media. It's the exact same logic we use. Well, they deserve to hear what I have to say. Well, don't I deserve to not feel alone anymore? I need to sleep with them so we'll feel closer. I mean, we're probably going to get married anyhow. I mean, if we live together, it'll be financially easier, won't it? It's just one loan. This is the exact same logic we use. And all along the way, we're saying to ourselves, I can't wait for God to provide. I will take care of my own needs. Whispers. Go for it. Just one time. It's all okay. It's not a big deal, is it? Are you really God's kid and he's not giving you that now? Are you really one of God's sons or daughters and he's letting you down here be lonely? Are you really somebody he adopted into his family and he's got you all broke? Just provide for yourself. Whisper number one. Whisper number two. You ready? It's in Matthew chapter or go ahead and throw up Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Here's what Jesus said about this a couple chapters later. Don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Instead, seek God's kingdom above all else and live righteously the right way, the way he wants you to live. And he will give you everything you need. And Jesus is speaking from experience here. All right, here's the next one. It's Matthew chapter 4. The devil doesn't give up. Verse 5, he comes to Jesus and says, does this. He took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And here he goes again. If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he's going to quote the Bible to Jesus. I love that. Let me tell you some of the words you wrote. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Whisper number two. Ready? Prove yourself. Prove yourself. If you're really the son of God, show us. Prove it. Jump off the top of this building. God won't let anything happen to you if you're really his son, right? Prove it. This whisper might sound to you like, if you're really God's kid, then he'd give you blank. And you fill in the blank. So you start to think things like, if God really loved me, he'd give me a relationship right now. He'd give me more money. He'd want me to be happy, right? And you start to try to leverage your relationship or connection with God for your own benefit. It might sound like this. God, if you really love me, give me a good parking spot at Walmart. What? Come on now. You know you've prayed that. It's raining, it's cold, you don't want to park at the end, and you're driving through the parking lot. Lord, if you just give me a good parking spot, I mean, I'm your kid here. You let all these heathens park up close. Give me a good spot. Minor little thing, right? But don't we do that all the time? God, if you really love me, get me out of this now. If you really love me, heal this. If you really love me, make me feel okay inside. If you really love me, bring somebody along that I can be with. If you really love me, Get me out of this mess. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those prayers. I'm just saying we start to inside think we can leverage our relationship with God just to make our lives better. I'd like to match that up in my own life with the amount of times I've prayed for God to save somebody else or to help somebody else or to bring somebody else what they need. See what we're doing there? Trying to prove ourselves. I really am God's kid. Look what he did for me. I really am God's kid. Look how great I have it. Look what I have. 
trying to make ourselves greater. Jesus' response in verse 7. He says, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Get those words out of your mouth. Don't be testing God, being like, hey, if you really love me, make my lottery ticket work tonight. You know, That's not our relationship with the Lord. That's giving into the whisper. That's listening to the lie. That's doing what the temptation is telling you to do, not following Jesus. And Jesus says, instead of testing God, I will keep serving him. I'll keep submitting to his will. I'll keep taking the low position. Look how he said it in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 26. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You hear what he's saying? Look at 1 Peter, how Peter writes it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand, mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. God's promising you honor. He's promising you reward. He's promising you influence and leadership and greatness if you just slow your roll and wait for him. If you stay humble and keep serving everyone else. If you keep doing it the Jesus way, and I get it, it's hard. Here's whisper number three. The devil comes back to him in verse eight of Matthew four. And he says this, next the devil took him to a, the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I'll give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. This is the whisper in your ear to please yourself. Please yourself. This whisper might sound like, why wait? God doesn't want you to be hungry, lonely, depressed, stressed. So just do whatever you want to eliminate those feelings now. Go ahead and look at porn. Sleep around. Stuff your face. So what if I don't give to anybody else? So what if I don't give God my first and best? So what if I don't go to church all the time? So what if I don't help anybody else? So what if I don't plug into God's community? I mean, he loves me, doesn't he? Doesn't he just want me to be happy? As long as I feel good. So I'll come to church just enough to scratch that itch so I feel like I did something good. I'll give to God financially just enough so I feel like I'm really doing the right thing even though I'm disobeying what he says to do. I'll serve other people if I have the time and if it's convenient for me and if I'm not too scared of the role and if I don't too, feel too much insecurity about stepping out of my comfort zone, then, then I'll serve the Lord. You know? So you know, as long as it pleases me, it's all good. Come on, Jesus. I know all this is supposed to be yours someday anyhow, but why wait? And so, and so Jesus is here with the devil and the devil's trying to convince him not, not to, I mean, Jesus owns all that stuff anyhow, right? But, but for a short time, God has given control over all the kingdoms of the earth to the devil. Jesus is going to get all the kingdoms of the earth. He's going to get to rule and reign over all of it. But during this season, God has given authority to the prince of the power of the air, to the evil one, to, to, to roam the earth and to cause havoc and have his own influence. And he's offering all that to Jesus now. You don't have to wait. Not, not if you'll worship me forever. Just, just once. Just like nobody else even around. 
Just bow down and worship me, Jesus, and I'll give you all that now. Just one moment. It wasn't asking Jesus for a lifetime of devotion or allegiance. Just a second. Hey, no one will even know if you do it. I won't even tell them. It won't really matter. Just one time. You'll still be the Son of God, right? What's the big deal? Here's Jesus' response in verse 10. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. Here he goes back to the Bible, back to God's words again. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I know all that stuff's mine. And yeah, I would like to have it right now. But I'm not allowed to worship you. Because God told me I only worship him. So I do what God's word says, even if I have this felt need, even if I have this legitimate desire or need that I want met. I do what God says to do anyhow. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, I won't take a shortcut. I won't compromise God's standard. I'll keep trusting and serving only him. I will wait. Even in a day when waiting is the hardest. I will wait for God to give me what he's promised to give me. Now listen. The devil has to leave him alone after that. Or he turns out leaving him alone. Devil goes away. Angels come, minister to Jesus. He's like, I made it. I resisted. I endured. I defeated some temptation in my life. The very next thing you have recorded that Jesus does, he goes out and preaches a sermon. The very next chapter, Matthew 5, is his first public sermon. And all these people are around him. I want to read you some of the words from Jesus' first sermon. See if these are things that he um, picked up or, 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 or recognized or that were driven home in that 40 days in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 5, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Verse 6, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those, verse 10, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I know it's hard. I know it's hard when you're physically hungry to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I know it's hard when you want so many people to do so many things for you to humble yourselves and serve them. I, I know it's hard when you, you feel like everybody else has got money and you're broke. I know it's hard to live a life of poverty and just be dependent on God for all your needs. I know it's hard to get beat up for doing the right thing by everybody else but to stay the course. But Jesus is letting us know those people are the ones who get the kingdom. Those people are the ones who become rich. Those people are the ones who will rule the earth. Those are the ones who will get it all someday if we can just wait on him, if we can just wait for him to meet our needs. I, I know the Jesus way is hard. Nobody's saying it's not. It's hard. It's what keeps most people from doing it. So it keeps most people from following Jesus. It's giving up everything I am and saying, from now on, it's whatever you say, Lord. It's a hard way to live, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Because all the rewards you want, all the needs you want met, that's all coming. Times a thousand. He will satisfy you. He will reward you. He will provide for all of your needs from his glorious riches. So what's whispering in your ear today? Provide for yourself, prove yourself, please yourself, 
I get it. I get it. I know you hear the hiss, but you can choose to listen to the Lord instead. I know the shoulder demons right there whispering into your ear. Go ahead and take care of yourself. Those people aren't doing it. God's surely not coming through. Just make it happen. Disobey him. Just be one time. It won't be that big a deal. You can manage it. But if you want to become the real you, you got to resist the temptation. You got to endure it. You got to do it the Jesus way instead. How do I do that? It's easy. I keep walking in obedience no matter how I feel. I keep knowing what God's word says no matter how hard it is to understand and read every day. And I keep hearing God's approval no matter what all the lies are telling me. I'm chosen, I'm special, I'm unique, and I'm loved by him. I keep it up. I keep walking in obedience. I keep knowing God's word, and I keep hearing his approval. I keep walking in obedience. I keep knowing God's word, and I keep hearing his approval. And I'm doing whatever I got to do today to make those three things happen. No matter who I got to end a relationship with, no matter whose feelings I got to hurt, I'm walking in obedience. No matter how hard it is to roll out of bed, I'm coming to church to learn God's word. I'm getting into life group to know his word better. I'm reading my Bible every day to know what he says. No matter how many people tell me I'm a loser, I'm hearing that I'm chosen. No matter how many people tell me I'm worthless, I'm hearing that he's making me worthy. No matter what it takes, I'm walking in obedience, I'm knowing God's word, and I'm hearing God's approval. It's worth it. I can prove it to you. He tells us it's worth it. Psalm 84.11 says this, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. What's that mean? He's the one that lights up the way I should go, and he's the one that protects me along the way. He's my sun and my shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. The reward is worth it. I'm telling you. He's telling us it's worth it. I have this picture in my head. Hey, uh, if you're in the band, I'm going to do something a little different today. Can you just go ahead and come on up front right now before I pray? And uh, I have this picture in my head. This song we're going to sing at the end. I love this song, man. This song we're going to sing at the end gives me this picture in my head of being at the end of time and I'm standing before the Lord okay and people are worshiping him angels are singing praises to him and he's going to judge me he's going to judge you he's going to judge me on all the things I've done right and wrong and when I see that scene play out in my head what I see is this huge jumbotron where Jesus is playing all the things I messed up and I'm embarrassed. And I'm embarrassed. If you guys could see how dirty I am on the inside, I'd be embarrassed. If on the screen up here we had to play all of my sins, I'd be ashamed. And so all those play across the screen. And my head hangs down. But Jesus looks at God the Father and he's like, but I paid for that one. I died for that one. I took care of that one. I covered that one. I threw that one into the ocean somewhere. Those don't even count anymore. And my head like starts to rise and I'm feeling this sense of mercy that I deserve to be beaten and executed. But Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to do any of that because I covered all that stuff. And then God starts to play all these moments where I did it right. And, and it's like he, he puts one on the screen and I see like on his face 
where he like starts to smile. Like, look what my kid did that time. He felt like providing for, he felt like going out and getting a, a, another job that would keep him away from all the Christians in his life. But he said no. He heard the whisper calling him to more money. But he said no, that he was going to keep obeying me. He was going to keep knowing my word. He was going to keep feeling my approval. He plays another one. And he's like, oh, look at this one where, where he felt like pleasing himself, but he said no. Instead, he just obeyed me. Look at this one where he wanted to punch that guy in the face, but he turned the other cheek. Or this one where he wanted to hoard his money, but he gave it to somebody who needed it. Or this one where he wanted to be unfaithful to his spouse, but he stood in the fray and he said, no, I won't do it because God has promised me something greater. Look at this one where nobody was home. And he could look at anything he wanted on his computer screen, but what did he do? He got out his Bible and read it. That's my kid. And I'm still ashamed because I look at all that stuff and I think like, man, God, I, it's hard for me to even see that stuff because I messed up so much. And, and God's like, no, you're my kid. I love you so much. Don't, don't be ashamed. You, you did all these good things for me. And I got all kinds of reward waiting for you because of it. I'm like, really? I'm just telling you guys, like, that's the scene I see in my head. And, and he's like, come on in. My good, my faithful one, my, my servant, come on in and, and, and find some rest and enjoy some reward. You've served me. You followed me. I'm like, wow. And I'm just like, I see that in my head. And, and all I have left to do in that moment is to sing out. Thank you. I love you. You're so amazing. I I can't believe it. I don't know if so many people have trouble seeing that scene for themselves. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody in our crowd right now or anybody listening online, but I'm just, I've always blown away by the amount of people who don't seem to have any words to sing out loud to God. Because at the end of time, when we stand in front of him, that's all we're going to do. And I just can't imagine seeing that picture of how he wipes the slate clean of all my garbage. And then he's like proud of me for all the right choices I made. And I could do anything other than just cry out, you're amazing, God. I, I can do nothing but give you more and more praise for it. I just can't imagine that. So I want to encourage you guys, you know, like invitation today or I just want to encourage you guys to see that scene in your head. And if you're a follower of Jesus, to just give him some praise today. Just thank him for wiping the slate clean and then being proud of you for the good choices you make. Because that's what he sees when he looks at you. That's what he thinks when he thinks about you. Will you stand with me and sing? What an amazing challenge from God's word for all of us. We hope you start putting everything you've learned in this session into practice. Be sure to subscribe to the 3SC Podcast so you'll never miss any new content. Thanks for listening.